1: Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guests shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. I've been thinking about the topic of giving lately. Many people who've been on my show have talked not only about how much it helps other people, but how much it helps themselves as well. There's something very supernatural about giving to others. Many people think giving is all about money, but that's not necessarily true. Giving can be about offering resources and connections, referrals, but most importantly, giving can be about time. Think about that for a minute. Time is the one resource we can't ever have more of once it's spent. We can always make more money. We can always meet new people to help us, but the time we spend with others shows how much we care about one another. I'm always so thankful when the people who are important to me give me their time when I need it. And by the same token, I'm always glad to give my time when the important people in my life need it as well. So let me ask you this. Who can you give to this week to make a difference in someone's life? Once you identify that person, give. You will be so glad you did. With that in mind, I want to introduce my very special guest. His name is Brad Sugars. Let me tell you about him. Brad Sugars is the founder and chairman of Action Coach, the world's number one business coaching firm with more than 1,000 offices in 77 countries. Action Coach provides weekly training to over 15,000 companies. In addition to being a successful entrepreneur and dedicated family man, he's also the best selling author of multiple business books, including four international bestsellers. Brad has taught over a million people worldwide on how to create a business, real estate, and financial success. He is the author of dozens of books, like I mentioned, and including... His new book called Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, Adding Zeros to Your Company Isn't Magic, which he co-authored with Monty Wyatt. We are going to talk about so much in this show. It's going to be really fantastic. And before I forget, you can download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes. Please do that. It's free. Leave a review. That would mean a lot. So here we are with my very special guest, Brad Shergers. Brad, how are you today? Great. Thanks, Brian.
2: Really good to be here with the team.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here with you as well. It's an honor and a privilege. I've admired you for a long time, and I know you've done a lot to help the business community. So that's amazing. I would love to ask how you decided to be an entrepreneur, and if you always
2: have been. You know, I don't think uh, I decided to be an entrepreneur. I think, like many of us, we just fall into the trap of opening our own business because one day we found something and said, "Yeah, let's do that." And you know, I, I was as a kid, I was always very entrepreneurial. Though I still. My dad still tells the story because, you know, I have one of those dads who loves to embarrass you. Uh, He tells the stories when we're out and he says, you know, I remember at age seven, you held a garage sale in front of your bedroom and sold your Christmas presents to your brothers. And uh, luckily, I was like, thanks, Dad. Thanks for telling everybody. He said, no, no, there's a good lesson here. He said, by eight, you worked out to rent it to them. Don't sell it to them. That way you got their money and got to keep the present. So uh, apparently, yes, I was an entrepreneur from when I was a kid.
1: Wow. Did you get in trouble for doing that or did your dad think you were really creative?
2: No, no. My family was definitely an encourager of creativity when it came to the subject of money and investing. So I think that was something that was seen as a good thing. That's
1: fantastic. So what was your journey like up to where you began now? I'm sure you tried and failed and succeeded at a lot of things.
2: You know, I've been in every type of business. It feels like everything from restaurants to magazine publishing to uh, property management, uh, commercial cleaning companies. Uh, vehicle importing, you name it. I See, my whole life, what I've done is I've bought companies. Now, I started, when I, what I did in the beginning, I bought broken companies and fixed them because I thought, you know, and, and I was that's where I got the idea of being a turnaround guy sort of thing. And then, but lately what I do is I buy companies. I'm a bit more like Ray Kroc. I find companies that are a great establishment or a great business. They're in one location and I work out how to put them everywhere in the world.
1: Wow, that is fantastic. So having experience in all these different kinds of industries positions you perfectly to help businesses in just about every kind of industry.
2: Well, yeah, you know, I I guess when I started teaching, I I fell in love with teaching. I was maybe 20, 20 or 21, and I had early success in business, and people asked me to speak. And I got on stage and I remember one uh, I, I was asked by Robert Kiyosaki, who's now very famous. He and Sharon Lecter wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. And uh, Robert asked me to come and speak in Hawaii. And I got there and I'm speaking to hundreds of business people. I'm getting paid to do this. I'm thinking, my goodness, this is amazing. This is a lot of fun. I'm getting paid for it. You know, when you find like that thing you're passionate about and you can make money out of it. And so I started teaching. But here's the challenge with teaching. You actually have to work out how do I do that? You actually have to think it through and come up with. And one of the greatest mentors I ever had, I never got to meet him personally, but Buckminster Fuller wrote a great series of books. And one of them, he actually said, you know, if you're going to do things, create models and artifacts. So everything I've done, I've tried to create a model a business model that simplifies what we're trying to teach. So anyone can learn it in five to 10 minutes and anyone can teach it in 10 to 20 minutes type thing. So that's yeah. really the way I try and work.
1: Absolutely. I have a background as a college teacher. And I found that when I was developing a new course, I learned so much more than my students did because you actually (laughs) have to work out how it's going to go and figure out what the sequence is, especially when you do things intuitively, you have to map it out so that someone who's never done it before can do it. For example, writing a paper, for example, writing a speech. I mean, those are things that come very easily to me. So I, I love that you just said that you get so much more out of it as a teacher. You have to work it out.
2: Well, you know, and you go back to what Albert Einstein said, and he said, you know, if you can't teach it simply, you obviously don't know it well enough. And and that's sort of been the big thing for me is, you know, what is, this latest book is book number seventeen. I think my first book took me six years, Brian, to write, and then this one took a couple of years. But you know, each one that gets easier and easier because I know to to think my way of thinking and teaching has changed. So absolutely. So how did you start Action Coach? You know, again, purely by accident, I was teaching a whole bunch of seminars because at that time I was in my early 20s and people said, hey, you're successful. Come and show us what you're doing. I was running photocopy shops at the time. Do you remember back when you used to have to go to the store to get photocopies type thing, the FedEx Kinkos? Well, that was my business way back then. And uh, all my customers were small business owners. And I started writing a newsletter for them because, you know, that's what you do. You write a newsletter to your customers, keep them coming back. And they all started asking me, well, how do you grow? What do you do? So I put on a seminar and here we are 26 years later. Uh, We just opened in Russia and now we're coaching business owners on all continents other than obviously Antarctica. But, you know, we're getting there. We'll get there. Maybe one day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So how important is it for you to demand excellence, not only from yourself, but from others? Because mediocrity is not fun.
2: Well, you know, in this day and age, mediocrity is a killer of businesses because you've gone from competing on a local level. You know, when when maybe when I first started in business, you could compete with the, the guy up the road or the gal down the street. Today, you got to compete on an international level. So if you're operating at mediocrity, you're missing out. I I, I did a little interesting speech recently about being the best of the best. If you're the best, if you're not aiming to be the best in your industry, then you're losing because, A, you don't get the best staff because the best staff want to work in the best companies. B, you don't get the best customers. The best customers want to work with the best companies. C, you don't get the most profits because you don't get to charge the most. The best in the industry get to charge the most. It's, it's just always been the way it is. And if you want to be making the most profits, you got to do that. And finally, D, you end up with a business where you don't enjoy it anymore. If you're aiming to be the best, you make the most, you work the least, you get the best people, all that stuff, buddy. I, I think the mediocrity kills business. And uh, the day you stop learning is the day you fall back to mediocrity in business.
1: Absolutely. So you've built a very large organization. What were some of the special challenges you encountered along the way?
2: You know, buddy, uh, you know, international expansion was always an interesting one, globalization of our business. Uh, you know, you go from when you take a business where you've created a, a model that works and it's a singular model, and you might operate in one city, one town, one shop, one warehouse. And then you say, okay, how am I going to run this in a thousand locations or 10,000 locations or in 20 cities or 100 cities that turns into a totally different business? You know, like uh, many of my companies are in the licensing or franchise type businesses. And so, again, you have to learn the franchising business, not just your business, like my commercial cleaning business, a franchise business. I don't just have to be good at commercial cleaning. I got to be good at franchising. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: And, and all of that comes back to one very simple thing, and that is finding great people. Uh, I, I believe my job as chairman of all of my companies is to find great people. That's my job. Find them, build them, keep building the people. They keep building the business. And, and it's, it's not a complex thing. I'm pretty simple when it comes down to how to run a great company.
1: Fantastic. We've got a couple minutes or so to our very first break. What would you say your big mission is in business, Brad?
2: Well, I wrote the vision of Action Coach of world abundance through business re-education because I believe in business the more the more. If I can help one business grow and let's say they add 10, 20, 50 employees, then you got 10, 20, 50 new customers for that marketplace. you got more people making money. So business really is the more the more. You know, in in, uh, in my company, Action Coach, we literally reward our team. There's two very big awards. One is for the greatest job impact. In other words, through coaching your clients, how many jobs did you create? How fast did you help your clients grow their business? And the second one is how much economic impact did you add in the businesses you coach? How many millions a year of extra money went into that community because of the growth of those companies you coach? And I think that. When people understand that, they understand why I run a program called Coaching for a Cause, where we literally coach for free charities and not-for-profits all over the world to help them grow. Um, Coaching's a great thing from that perspective.
1: Absolutely. And before we talk about your actual book in the next segment, and we've got a minute or so left, what guided your decision to collaborate on your book versus writing it yourself?
2: You know, I sat down with a friend of mine who said to me one day, you know, it just seems like magic how these big companies like Ikea and Amazon and and Apple and these, it just seems like magic how they make profits. I sat down and I said, are you kidding me? There's no way it's magic. It's a systematic methodology. It's like there's a recipe for a great cake. There's a recipe for great businesses. And so I went to one of my top coaches, Monty Wyatt, and I said, hey, Monty, of all of our clients that are growing exponentially, where they're getting year-on-year year multiplied profit growth, let's do some research and find out what are the things that are actually similar in all of those businesses. How do they get the exponential growth that the other companies aren't getting? And so having a great coach on my team who works with these companies every day made the implementation factor of what's in the book really, really key.
1: Fantastic. And we will come back after the break. This is Success Profiles right now. Stressed out? because if you are, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that over 73% of all Americans report symptoms of stress, which is a key factor contributing to mental and physical illness. And that stress is usually related to work, money, or relationships. Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress had been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which causes damage to our body. And unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research. And as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com Welcome
0: back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Brad Sugars. He is the co-author of the book, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, Adding zeros to your company isn't magic. And if you don't have my book yet, it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it in Barnes & Noble stores and online. Books a million and everywhere fine books are sold. Please get it. It's fantastic, if I do say so myself. But seriously, I am getting a lot of great feedback about it. I'm doing very well at my bookstore signings, and I have more book signings coming up. So I can't wait to see you if you are in the Phoenix area. And I look forward to expanding beyond Phoenix for my book signings very, very soon. So Brad, let's talk about your book. What made you decide to write this?
2: You know, I, the simple thing that made me take this is a lot of my previous books are all about very clear areas of business. And then I wanted to sit down and put one together that actually brought all of it together and said, here's the actual thing. This is the biggest book I've ever written. It's 370 odd pages because I wanted to get into not just what to do and why to do it, but the actual how to's. And so, yeah, interesting thing to bring it all together in one uh, compilation or one book that actually says, here's how you get exponential growth. Here's how you scale business and keep it doing that way. Absolutely.
1: Why do you think people struggle so much with creating profits in their business? Oh, dang,
2: buddy. This is we could do several hours on just this subject alone. Of course. Um, You know, I mean, there's obviously multiple reasons because each business is going to have a different challenge that, that you look for. But I think first and foremost, it's that they're actually not trying to make profit. You know, majority of them are trying to do too much revenue or too much actually just running the business. You know, they're involved in the day to day stuff. They're not actually focused on profit. See, here's a real simple question. If I asked the average business owner, Brian, what profit did you make today? They'd look at me kind of funny you know, I don't know how much profit I made today. I said, well, hang on. If you don't know the profitability, what time of the day today did you hit break even? What mm-hmm. day of the week do you hit break square? You know, you've got to know these things about your business. And you know, luckily enough, I trained as an accountant when I was young, so everything in our business is all about actual profits. I think, unfortunately, most business owners measure revenues or sales rather than profits on a daily basis.
1: And there is a big difference between m- revenues and profits. Revenue is just how much money you make gross, but profit is how much you make after you subtract all the expenses.
2: Yeah, there's... You know, ultimately, the bottom line in any business comes back to doing certain things really well. And if you look at building a business that is doing great, the profits are a result of doing something great, great product, great service, great marketing. You know, it's the end result of doing other things really well. So, you know, we try to get the business people we work with to focus on the other areas that produce profit rather than just profit in itself.
1: Absolutely. So how is your book, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, Relative in Today's Economy?
2: Well, dang, today's economy, it's, you know, how fast is business growing and changing today is probably the interesting question, but also how much of the basic fundamentals of business have not changed in history. Customer service, got to be good. Sales, got to be good. Marketing, got to be good. The strategy behind the business, all these basic cores have to be in place If you're going to use the latest marketing techniques on LinkedIn, fantastic, but also have a basic referral system in place in your business so that your existing customers can refer other people. You know, I try to balance everything, buddy, on the, the, the latest stuff, but also get that core right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about the power of exponential growth. What is that and how do we get there?
2: Well, let's, let's first of all, look at exponential growth. I go back to a simple word that I use a lot. is called leverage, divide to multiply, do the work once, get paid forever type thing. So exponential growth for me is not a business that grows and plateaus or grow, dip, grow, dip type thing. It's not a business where they're trying for status quo. It's a business that is growing. I based it on a simple principle. And, you know, it's it's quite complex. If you study it, the second law of thermonuclear dynamics, and you're looking at it basically is the tree is either growing or dying same is true for the business the business is either growing or dying so if you're not focused on growth year on year multiplied growth not adding percentages but multiplying the business then the business is actually going to start going backwards or your competitors going to catch you and beat you
1: absolutely so in your book you talk about the five disciplines to adding zeros let's just briefly describe what all five of them are and then we'll go on a deep dive for all of them individually
2: fantastic so in no particular order i'll go through them first we start with strategy if the business core strategy and not the basic people seem to confuse tactic and strategy they think you know i'm using a tactic of doing marketing on facebook now that's a tactic the strategy is the core of the business what business model are you using what structure are you selling the product or service under That core will either allow you to expand massively and get easier or that core strategy will make it slower. Uh, The second one is where we take a look at uh, any business development. So business development is discipline number two. And we use the word discipline because it's not something you do once and forget. It's something you got to do. So your sales, your marketing and, and your customer service. Third, we look at the people. You know, people grow a business, so you got to build the people. How you manage, lead, recruit, hire, train people is, is a massive part. Execution, you know, from planning right through to uh, the actual product or service, making a profit for you. Uh, execution is massive. And then finally, mission. You know, how, do people love working for you? Do people love buying from you? What's the mission of the company greater than just profitability?
1: i love all of that so let's start our deep dive right now the first of those disciplines you talk about is strategy and very very being very clear about what that is it's a lot easier to win when you're crystal clear about this isn't it
2: Uh you know what buddy it's it's interesting people someone said to me the other day well explain strategy to me and i said well Let's pretend you're going into a different business than you're in. Let's pretend you're going in the music business. You can have a strategy of being the drummer in a band. You can have a strategy of owning the the concert venue. You can have a strategy of being a record label. You can have a strategy of being Spotify or Amazon or, or iTunes. See, there's such different strategies. And that's where the average business, unfortunately, is built around the owner being busy. Um, and they went, they got a certain set of skills. There's no scalability in their strategy. There's, if you look at their business model. So let's take a simple business model. In fact, let's stay with Apple for a second. I mentioned Apple. Apple's old business model worked when their strategy worked when no one owned a computer. You make a computer once, you sell it once. Okay. Now the strategy got them in trouble because they also gave away the software they had to get out of that strategy and start selling the software rather than giving it away because they're yeah. incurring a debt with every sale. Steve Jobs comes back and says, hang on, I learned a different strategy when I'm overrunning uh, the, the, the movie business, Pixar. I learned a strategy called if you make it once and sell it forever, you make a ton more money. You don't have to make it once and sell it once. So, you know, because all of those movies, cars, all of them, Disney bought the whole company and now still sells those movies. Disney, genius at strategy, genius company if you want to study strategy. So Steve Jobs comes back. Now, he's an even better strategist than me. I taught leverage, do the work once, get paid forever. Jobs comes back and says, no, no, never do the work and get paid forever. Apple makes no music, sells all the music as Sony makes all the music and pays Apple a 30% clip for selling the music on, on Apple's thing. I mean, and, and Apple's sitting back on, Hey Sony, thanks for inventing that MP3 thing. We love that. Oh, yeah. Different that's, strategy.
1: That's brilliant. I love that. So there are many important aspects to the discipline of strategy. What do you think is the most important?
2: Oh dang buddy. There's four top important ones. There's, there's leverage as we've mentioned uh, and, and that's got to be your product and the business and everything, even the owner's work. What's the difference between owner's work and employee's work? Owner's work, you do the work once, get paid long term. Employees work, do the work once, get paid once. Um, scalability, you know, scalability by definition is the, the, the next sale costs less and gets easier. So you've got to actually get easier as you get bigger, not harder as you get bigger. Marketability, does the product or service sell itself? And, and, and market size, opportunity. How big is the market that you're going for? You know, you want to build a great business and you're operating in a small town where the total market size is a million bucks and there's already four other coffee shops and you think opening a coffee shop is a smart idea because you love coffee. Me and you're going to have a debate at that point.
1: Right. Absolutely. No, I totally, totally understand that. So being able to reinvent yourself is important, too, because sometimes you discover that the market has evolved or moved on without you businesses go out (laughs) when they don't recognize this.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many companies can we list off? Motorola, Motorola, Kodak, all of these companies that died because they couldn't reinvent.
1: Absolutely. Is it easier to reinvent if you're a brand new business or if you're an established business? And I think you could make an argument both ways.
2: Yeah, you could argue both ways because, you know, you look at it, could someone have come up with Airbnb that worked in the hotel business? Maybe, maybe not. You know, it took an outsider. Um, but when you sit down and you look at Microsoft, you know, they brought in a new CEO who totally reinvented the company. And there's a company that you remember Bill Gates been interviewed about 20, 30 years ago. And he said, there's probably a kid in the garage somewhere trying to put Microsoft out of business. He, he was close. It was two guys in a dorm room, Larry and Sergey. They almost got there, you yeah. know, but he you have total reinvention of a massive company. Steve Jobs, massive company, total reinvention. But then you look at a little company like Zappos, who comes into the shoe business and says, hey, we're going to sell shoes from a warehouse rather than stores. Massive reinvention. So, yeah, we can argue both ways. I think what it is is not whether you're an established business or that. I think it's whether you think that we need to reinvent or not.
1: Absolutely. Would you rather have a generalist on your team or a specialist?
2: Uh, can I say both? <laughs> sure. <laughs> me, me as th- my CEO's generalists. Absolutely. My CEO's generalists, me, chairman of the board, or my board members, generalists. Uh, internally in the company, you need amazing specialists. Like, I don't want a generalist being my head of legal. I want a specialist being the head of legal type thing. So um, you've got to have both in a company. Absolutely.
1: We've got less than two minutes to our next break. How do you know who your real customer is?
2: Uh, The ones who spend money?
1: (laughs) That's a great answer.
2: (laughs) You know, uh, I I ask businesses to do two types of uh, of market analysis. One is analyze your existing customer base. Who are your A-grade customers? Who are the 20% that bring you 80% of your business? What's the similarities and the dissimilarities between them? And then second, go to the external marketplace and say, all right, let's look at the external marketplace and say, where is a gap between who we have and who we don't have? Like, I work with an accountant. He did an analysis, and he found out he had a lot of farmers as A-grade customers. And there was a lot of farmers in his area, so it was fantastic. He had to build a whole marketing stream to farmers. But then we looked at the external marketplace, and we found there was a bunch of insurance companies and realtors in his market, which he didn't have a lot of. So we had to develop, again, a whole way of saying, how do we go to realtors and insurance companies to develop that marketplace for him?
1: Absolutely. We are under a minute to our next break. We are talking with Brad Sugars. His book is Pulling Profits. Out of a Hat, Adding Zeros to Your Company Isn't Magic, and that book is available April 16th, so get it on Amazon, pre-order it. If, if you're listening to this before April 16th, pre-order it, buy it now if you're listening to it after April 16th. We've been talking about a lot, and we're going to continue talking about the strategy discipline that Brad is talking about in his book, and then we'll talk about business development, the discipline of having great people executing and mission. And we will come right back after the break. This is success profiles radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away a lot more to come. And I'm going to promise you, this is going to be a very well informed hour. If you are not taking notes, do it or even better yet, order the book right now. We'll come right back. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Brad Sugars. He's the co-author of the book, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, Adding Zeros to Your Company Isn't Magic. Not only can you get it on Amazon, but you can get it in Barnes & Noble. You can pre-order it on their website, too, and they would be very, very happy to send and ship that out. So, Brad, how do you recognize if something is a good opportunity or not?
2: You know, buddy, it's a real interesting one because a lot of people come up with great ideas. And this is where, you know, you watch the TV shows like uh, Shark Tank and you sit back and you go, hey, all I got to do is have a great idea. Reality is you don't get paid for great ideas. You get paid for implementation and making the great idea happen. I think the way you work out if it's a great idea is basically testing the market. Test the water, see if people buy, do that whole thing. You know, you see Kickstarter is a great way of people testing the market, see if there's any interest or not. So. But ultimately, for me, it comes back to looking at the size of the market and saying, you know, what is the size of the market and how fast and how easy does this product sell itself? You know, why I went into the car business. Why? I didn't need to convince people to buy cars. I don't need to convince people to to get a new car. I just need to convince them to buy it from me. And, and yeah. I think that's a big part of it.
1: Absolutely. You mentioned leverage. In the last segment, that is so important. What is the quickest way we can gain leverage in our business and use it to our full advantage?
2: Well, I think what you've got to do is look at how do I get a customer once and keep them forever? You know, the mm-hmm. the idea and the idea of buying customers, which you've got to put money out to buy a customer, you've got to spend to, to get them in there. But the idea is to get them on a lifetime value. You know, what is that lifetime value of a customer? And if I can get a customer once and keep them forever, that makes me a ton of money. But if I get them once and burn them, then you know I'm falling out of the leverage doesn't work for me at that point,
1: right, absolutely. Let's talk about business development. This is the second mm-hmm. discipline that you mentioned in your book. Focusing on people first instead of money first does lead to greater profits, which may sound counterintuitive to some, but it's true.
2: you know it, it's kind of funny that people sort of still debate that fact if you take great care of your team, take great care of your customer. They love your business. They want to do more business with you. It's not a it's not a crazy concept. You know, you think about the last restaurant that you went to for the first time and said, yeah, I'll never come back here versus the one you said, hey, I'm coming back here a lot. It wasn't just the food. It wasn't just that. It was how you felt. It was how you were taken care of. So, you know, sales, marketing, customer service, it's all people to people.
1: It's, it's the experience. I'll, I'll share a very quick story. When I was in high school, my family went to Florida for a vacation. My dad had a business meeting, a series of meetings, and we went to Disney one day. And as a kid, you enjoy Disney for what it is. I went back as an adult a few years ago, and now I was looking at it from a completely different set of eyes. I was looking at the stuff behind the stuff. Why are they successful? It's not about the mouse or the duck or the rides it's about the experience they create and that is brilliant
2: you know i i love the disney corporation as an example of just genius in all things business you know i'm a father of five so I, I know Disney very, very well. Yes. Um, but, you know, you look at just a simple thing like the movie Frozen that came out and all of a sudden, how many different ways could you buy that movie? You know, how many ways can you buy the mouse right now? Everything from a cruise to going to the park to watching them on TV. You, you, They're a genius company.
1: Yeah, they certainly are. So the strategy of business development, how is that different from the strategy of uh, different the discipline of strategy that we talked about
2: earlier? Well, strategy is really setting up the core of your business. What's the business model? How are we going to actually expand? Are we going to use a rental business, a franchise business? Are we going to actually go to market through different channels, distribution methods? Whereas business development is now saying, okay, how do we actually do our marketing? What is the marketing strategy for us? How do we get leads and convert leads? How do we get customers coming back? How do we increase the average sale each time? How do we trade at the highest margin? because marketing and sales impacts that. Customer service, obviously, for the repeat business side of it, but it's really about generating customers. You know, a business really in the biz dev has two functions, get customers, keep customers. That's really the two functions.
1: Absolutely. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes people make in their attempts to gain new business? I'm sure there are many.
2: (laughs) Again, here's one. How many weeks we got on this one? Um, You know, look, I think that (laughs) First and foremost, people just don't even plan their marketing. You know, they just throw some money at it because someone called from the radio station and said, hey, I got a good deal. You want to try it out? And they said, well, it's only two thousand dollars or whatever. They tried it out. No, no, that's not the way we do it. See, marketing is planned based on a target audience and not just a massive target audience. People say to me, oh, my target audience is uh, females age thirty five to fifty five. No, it's not that 's way too broad in this day and age, because you 've got to remember marketing 's gotten harder but easier back in the day you could there was four radio stations you could run an ad on the four stations and and you know that was fine today. marketing is way better niched it 's way better like you know you have people advertising in your show here, Brian, because they 're hitting a targeted, very niched audience that really wants success and that sort of thing. does that make sense
1: yes absolutely uh, you 've
2: got to be you 've got to be far more accurate. So marketing's got harder, but it's got a lot easier to hit the exact right audience for you.
1: Absolutely. I would love to bring up the topic of artificial intelligence because pe- people are embracing automation and AI in their businesses. Now you look at chatbots. Those those are pretty smart. You, you get one of those in your Facebook Messenger and you click yes or no, or you just click out if you don't want to answer the question and it helps them sift through the possible leads that they can work with. How can people use artificial intelligence even more to increase efficiency in business?
2: You know, the level of automation of marketing has come a massive way in the last, you know, e- even down to the very simple things. I want to run an ad to someone who searched X, Y, and Z, and I want to follow on for the next two weeks. Or I want to f- run an ad to someone who bought a business book uh, and, and used their credit card to buy it in the last 48 hours. You know, That level of intelligence that is out there has gotten us to a point of saying, okay, can we as marketers do far better by having automated things, get people to raise their hand. Cause really a lot of what you're doing here is saying, okay, who are the 20% of people that are ready to buy now? Who mm-hmm. are those people? And so the artificial intelligence allows us to automatically get that 20% to go, Hey, I'm over here. You know, it's like, you send someone an email, and twenty percent of them might open the email and click through to your website. And here you are on your uh, on your CRM, and your CRM is going, "Hey, uh, this guy is on your website right now, looking at this page. This gal's reading about this. Please dial them now." Uh, that level of intelligence has uh, allowed us to be much better marketers and much better salespeople.
1: Fantastic. And you talked about knowing your numbers this is why you advocate having a sales playbook so you can make the sales process predictable for your team.
2: Mm-hmm. But for years and years, and I learned this back when I had the clothing business, I was actually in retail clothing. And uh, I learned that people buy in steps. They don't buy in one step. They're a step-by-step process. And so even for our store, it was like, can you get them into the store? And, and we were selling women's clothing at that point and, and And ladies are different to us guys. They must try it on. And so it was like, okay, how do I get them to try it on? Well, I needed more fitting rooms. I needed more of that stuff. So what I learned was if you can break your sales process down into the most minute steps, step by step by step, then you can create the marketing piece that goes with it or the questionnaire that goes with it or the email or the letter or all that stuff. And again, going back to artificial intelligence, then you can systematize it because sales really is a process of moving people through their buying decision. And if you can professionally help people buy, then you're a great salesperson. And if the marketing team can help you do that, then that makes it even easier.
1: If someone says no, is it really true that someone just doesn't have enough information? I mean,
2: that, that I hear that being spitted out a lot in the sales community. You know, I I like to look at it a different way. A sale is being made one way or the other. Either salesperson is selling the person that they can help or the person is selling the salesperson that no, you can't help. And no really is just a, you know, I know how many times Well, I'll ask you, Brian, how many times have you said no to something and then a year later you end up buying it? You know, I'm that person Mm -hmm. that I'll say no because I'm not ready to buy or, you know, I, I like to use the word not now. Uh, right. Both of them start with no, and both of them sort of are in that realm of of thinking. But the average salesperson gives up way too early. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I am not an impulsive shopper, and here's <laughs> no, the really? and
1: here's the here's the other thing that bugs me. When I go into somebody's store and I know exactly what I want. And the salesperson tries to talk me into something different, that something different might be a higher margin item. I don't care. I am here for a a reason. Let me buy what I want. And if you don't want me to buy what I want to buy, then I'll go buy what I want to buy elsewhere.
2: You know, it's interesting when you try and teach salespeople the different methodologies of buying, like there's four main buying personality types. And you teach that to a salesperson and and you're that detail oriented person who's looked it up and gone and done your research. And when you go to buy, you know what you're buying. Then you got a guy like me who's the opposite end of the scale. I just want the newest, latest, greatest, best one, probably the most expensive. Then you got the person who who will only buy from you if you become their friend. And then you got the other person who wants the same one they had last time. So, you know, you got to teach salespeople the different buying techniques, because if they try and sell, like if I was trying to sell you and I use my natural style, there's no chance that I sell you. No chance.
1: Right. It's like it's like a
2: French person talking to a German. There's just two different languages. It doesn't mesh.
1: Exactly. We've got less than three minutes to our next break. The third discipline after strategy and business development is people. What do you feel is the most important lesson a business person can, can take away from this?
2: You know, I'm going to go back to a lesson I learned from my dad when I was 20 years of age, first in business. And I turned to my dad at some point and I said, you know what, dad, I just can't get any good people. Can't find good people. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, Brad, you know what? You get the people you deserve. You're an average manager running an average business. Highest caliber employee you're going to get is average. I was like, oh, thanks, dad. Appreciate the pep talk. Right. But, um, he was dead on, you know, I. I the greatest thing you can learn about people is people want to work in a great company doing great things. They want to work for a great leader. So if you understand that and you become a great manager, a great leader, and you bring people in and you build great people, then phenomenal things will happen.
1: Yeah, and, and I love what you say. Exceptional people build companies. It creates more stability and greater levels
2: of morale. You, you cannot you can't do it on your own. You know, right. that's, that's the simple fact. And if you're going to double the profits or double the size of a business, you either double the number of staff or double the productivity. You want, to, you want to make more profits? Double their productivity. You got to do that. You got to train them. You got to teach them. You got to coach them. You got to mentor them. You know, you can't just yell at your people and say, hey, do a better job. No, they can't outperform their training, my friend. Cannot, will not, can't.
1: Absolutely. We've got less than two minutes to our final break. Give us an example of a company that gets this people component. Right.
2: Well, see, I live here in Las Vegas. Stations Casino is just up the way. This company for years and years has been on the top employers list, best company to work for list, all this sort of thing. Why? Because they understand this very simple premise. Take care of your people. They take care of your customer. Take care of the customer. They take care of the company. You know, you as the CEO or leader of the business have to build the people by building systems, building training, hiring, mentoring, all that stuff. As you build them, they take care. It's almost a direct proportion, Brian, between how you take care of your, your staff or your team and how they take care of the customer.
1: Absolutely. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. How much fun are we having? This is absolutely amazing. Brad Sugars is with us. His book is called Pulling Profits Out of a Hat. Adding zeros to your company isn't magic. We will come right back, and down the stretch we come when we return. This is Success Profiles Radio.
0: about the Ring Video Doorbell app. It has a motion sensor that alerts your cell phone if someone is on your porch or rings a doorbell. All you have to do is tap your phone and you can see who is at your door and talk to them through a remote mounted camera and speaker. My husband thought this would be a good idea to have for our home. However, I had no idea he had installed it while I was out of town. Imagine how confizzled I felt when I returned home, went to unlock the door, and suddenly heard my husband's voice calling at me from... From seemingly nowhere. He had installed a camera and speaker high up in a tree next to our front porch. Talk about being surprised and confused. What's another word for being confused? Flapper It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
1: And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Brad Sugars. His book is called Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, Adding Zeros to Your Company Isn't Magic, available everywhere on April 16th and Barnes & Noble on Amazon. If you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio, please do it. I've had such amazing guests recently and many, many more coming up in the very near future. We've talked about three of the five disciplines. Let's talk about execution. that's basically about doing things consistently every time and across all departments. That's the basis for a successful franchise system, isn't it?
2: You know, it's the basis of any successful business doing the consistent things by a systematic methodology. You know, when you sit down and people joke about this, but I always say, you know, would you like your pilot to have a flight checklist and a flight plan before you take off? What percentage of the time would you like them to have that? And they look at you funny, like, well, 100% of the time. Why? Well, I want them to succeed 100% of the time. Great. If you want your staff to succeed 100% of the time, you better have the same thing.
1: I would raise my hand for that, too. Yes. That's a a great idea. Also, having a written process for everything can help prevent problems, right?
2: Right. Well, look, you know, even the simplest of things, the checklist, if there's not a checklist, don't expect consistent performance. It doesn't have to be, you know, people see it and they think execution and they hear the word systemization and, you know, execution is way more than just systems. But if you look at systems from the very basis point of view, if you want consistent performance, then at least put a checklist in place for people to follow. Absolutely. And
1: this seems, it seems like this alone is a huge reason uh, why you can have a culture of excellence in your organization. I mean, this above everything else, wouldn't you think?
2: Well, you know, the culture of an organization, uh, having that theory of excellence or that feeling of excellence, and that when we deliver, we don't just deliver near enough is good enough. We deliver with you know, great execution. We always aim to do that. Culture is a big part of it. Systems is a big part of it. The actual planning process is a big part of it too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the final discipline, which is mission. It's not just about mission statements. It's about living on purpose as a company, isn't it?
2: Yeah, look, you know, I like to use the word love when I talk about business and people look at me yeah. kind of weird. And it's like, what do you mean love? I said, well, here's a question. Do your staff love coming to work? Do your team members love working with you? If they don't, then you're one of those many companies that suffer from low employee engagement and therefore you're getting low profitability and low actual uh, uh, work in in the case. And then do your customers love buying from you? Do they love doing business with you? And so that human connectivity, that being on mission is just so important for great companies.
1: Absolutely. And this means identifying your core Values as a company, of course,
2: (laughs) it's hard to recruit. Right. If you don't have core values clear, it's hard to manage. Right. If you don't have your core values clear, you know, so many things come down to that core values, how you interact with the community, how you interact with the customer. You got to know your core values. It's a very important aspect.
1: Absolutely. One of my favorite examples is Chick-fil-A. When you walk into oh, a yeah. Chick-fil-A, you have a really good idea what their core values are. It's not it's not a secret and it's great. So you mentioned that having a solid set of core values makes it easier for you to identify your ideal team members. Give mm-hmm. us besides Chick-fil-A, give us another example of a company whose mission to give back and be a an instrumental part of their community how that makes a big difference.
2: Well, again, living here in Las Vegas, I got Zappos just down the street. Yes. There's a company that lives by its five core values to such a degree, they actually run tours of their business to teach you how to run a business with a culture that is phenomenal. They, you know, These things just blow my mind. I'll, I'll give you a very quick story. My wife and I buy a lot from Zappos, five kids, obviously. Mm-hmm. One day, a pair of her running shoes broke like a week or two weeks after buying them. Literally, when she put the order in for a new pair uh, to to replace the old pair, within two hours, there's two people on our doorstep with a pair of shoes for her, brand new, replacing them in a wooden carved box with Zappos logo on it, saying, we're really sorry that that didn't happen the way it should have. We're here to replace those shoes. Talk to me about mission going way above. How often are we going to buy shoes from anywhere else? Never.
1: Never. No, that's a fantastic story. I would like to bring up a topic that comes up a lot on my show, partly because it's one of my favorite topics, and it's gratitude. How important has that been to your journey?
2: You know, I, I use gratitude along with celebration. I, I'm Australian, if you can't tell by the accent, and so celebration is a big part of our word. And I think celebration is the ultimate expression of gratitude. Um, you know, when you show gratitude, and I... I If we want to get esoteric, I say a very simple thing. You know, where you show gratitude, you get more. If you show gratitude for people paying their bills on time, amazingly enough, more people pay their bills on time. You give thanks to people who give you a referral. If someone gives you a referral and you don't send them at least a thank you card or a gift to say, hey, thanks for the referral. Don't expect more referrals where you show gratitude, not just think gratitude, where you show gratitude, you get more.
1: Absolutely. What are I know you love to read, and I know you love to write. So what are some of the most influential books that have impacted your life?
2: Oh, dang, buddy. Going way back when. You know, I've always got to go back to the first one that got me on the path, and that was uh, Jim Rohn. Mr. Mr. Rohn got me on the path. But then I was, you know, Think and Grow Rich, and then The Richest Man in Babylon, How to Win Friends and Influence People. All of these led me down that path. But probably the most uh, business-oriented one was going back to the 1920s, uh, My Life in Advertising. It was printed as two books in, in, the, in the reprints, My Life in Advertising and Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. Mm. Um, that, to me, changed my whole business philosophy that if I, wasn't, if I didn't have enough marketing and sales focus, it didn't matter how good my product or service was, I was not going to succeed in business.
1: Absolutely. What has surprised you the most about entrepreneurship?
2: Uh, that entrepreneurs are crazy enough to work eighty hours a week so they don't have to work forty hours for someone else.
1: Amen. I raised my hand all day along on this one. Thank you. That's
2: <laughs> even. It was funny. Yeah. So Richard Branson quoted me on that, and then he said, "And the dichotomy of that is Brad works twelve hours a week because all of his companies run by themselves." So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: little absolutely. little interesting. And, you know, it's so funny that you say that because when Tim Ferriss came out with 4-Hour Work Week, people totally misunderstood that. It's all about automating. If you actually open the book and crack it open and read a few pages, you realize that's what he's talking about. You're not just only working four hours. You're letting your systems take care of things for you.
2: You know, ultimately, buddy, I build a business that works so I don't have to. I build companies that run without me. I'm the chairman of the company. I work an hour every two weeks or an hour a month with my CEO and my board's. And they do a phenomenal job. But you got to build the company first. You got to build the people, build the reputation, build the products and services. And that way you can get it there.
1: Absolutely. What advice do you have to entrepreneurs who might be struggling right now?
2: Uh, Go see one of my team. Get a coach. Uh, Read my books. Um, Follow us. uh, uh, Follow Brian every day. Listen to his stuff. Listen to my stuff. Jump on my Facebook and follow me on Drive Time every day. I do a little video. You know, the thing is, it's all about learning. If you are struggling, it's because there's a lack of knowledge in one area of your business. Maybe it's sales you're struggling with or finances, but that lack of knowledge is killing your business. The hardest work for a business person is not the doing work. It's the learning work. If you're not willing to do the learning, don't expect to do the earning.
1: Yeah. There's a mantra that I, I think I came up with that I can't remember anyone else ever saying it, but if I channeled John Wayne a little bit, I'd say, if you're struggling in your business, I reckon you better go out and sell something.
2: <laughs> yes. Great answer!
1: <laughs> Absolutely. If you could give advice to the eighteen-year-old version of yourself, what would
2: you tell him? Go faster. I don't, like. Don't that. slow down. Don't don't slow down. Don't don't you know, stop listening to other people. Most people are stupid. Stop listening to them. You know. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Back your own judgment. Go for it. You know. It's and and think bigger in business. You know. Too uh, way too easy to think small in business. Go massive. Go big. Yeah.
1: What is the scariest thing you've ever done?
2: I have kids. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> now that I'm on Yeah, look, buddy, I, I the thing is if you waited till you knew what you were doing, you'd never have started a business or never have had kids. So, uh, you know, I think it's a great responsibility and raising great kids is probably the biggest success factor in my life and um yeah, yeah, on a on a on a normal thing, biggest most scary thing, probably jumping out of a good airplane. That was that was kind of stupid, but kind of fun.
1: I've done that twice, and it's been a long time, and I probably won't do it again. But I can say I've done that too. How do you master your mindset every day?
2: You know, there's, there's multiple disciplines. Uh, firstly, learning. Uh, I got to start the day with learning something new. Um, so I'm I'm a lover of audiobooks books. I'm a lover of reading. So that's there's always at least half a dozen books by my bed. Uh, so wake up, read something, but also wake up, redo my goals, go over my goals, re reread my goals and also uh, redo my I am statements. I'm a believer in, you know, I am statements of, about me. I'm becoming this. I'm becoming that or I am this. And, you know, reinforcing who I want to be, you know, be proactive about building yourself, not reactive.
1: Absolutely. And here's the question I ask everyone at the end of the show, Brad, who inspires and motivates you?
2: Oh dang, buddy! All of my clients, every business entrepreneur I ever meet, anyone that ever put their money on the line to open a business inspires me. You inspire me, buddy, because what you're doing is crushing it out there. I love seeing your show go out there to these people and just seeing that stuff. Um, my kids inspire. I think my answer to that, you know what it is, Brian? Everybody. I think you can find inspiration in every human being. I met a guy yeah. in my suite, my suite at uh, the concert venue here the other day. He's got 11 kids, and the guy's working his tail off, and, like, that guy inspires me.
1: Yeah, it, it's so fun, too, because it's fun to see how a show like this goes out. I mean, I I check, I check the charts, and it's so funny. I mean, a couple months ago, the show was number one in Namibia and Africa, and then the month after that, it was number one in Ecuador in, in one category for a few days, and... I think it entered the chart in Singapore in the the career categories yesterday. I mean, it's so much fun seeing this thing go out. So I love that. As we get closer to the end, Brad, how can we find your book and how can we learn and find out more about you?
2: Uh, they can, the book you can find in any great bookstore, obviously online, you can jump on any of those, So you can jump on our websites, pullingprofits.com. Me, you can find me on any social media except Pinterest. I'm not really a Pinterest guy, you know, LinkedIn, jump on there. I'm there. Facebook, I'm all over it. Insta, uh, you name it. You can find me tweeting every day. Um, but yeah, all bradsugars.com. Pretty easy to find when you find that one.
1: Fantastic. Is there a bucket list item you have not yet fulfilled?
2: You know, a friend asked me this morning about this one thing, and it's, it's, it's on my bucket list. I'm go, I want to go to a NASCAR race. I haven't done that yet. I've never been to a NASCAR race.
1: Well, don't they have those in Vegas? They sure they, do have one in, in Phoenix here.
2: They do, buddy. They do. And I even know the guy that runs the track, and I've been invited a few times, but I'm always out of town when they're on. So I'm going to put it in the diary and actually make it happen.
1: I do believe the season finale is here in Phoenix. It's always one of the last races, but this year in November, it, I think it is the last race. So come on down here to Phoenix.
2: You got to come to Phoenix every now and again. I love coming to Scottsdale and, and just hanging out because you guys have the warm weather when everyone else is chilly.
1: Absolutely. We are coming up to the end of the show. Thank you, Brad Triggers, for being here. It was a privilege, and it was fantastic to have you here, my friend.
2: Brian, you ask some of the best questions, buddy,
1: and make my job real easy. Awesome and thanks all of you to listening to Success Profiles Radio this week. Join me every Monday at 6 Eastern where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did to achieve, what they overcame and the lessons we can all learn from it. Until then, have a great week everyone. Goodbye. Take care.